I uh, failed to mention, as I had planned prior to our offering, that uh, today our Pastor Daryl Krim, our Volunteer Connections Pastor, but I see a number of guest faces out there, so you might say, what in the world is a Volunteer Connections Pastor? Pastor Daryl Krim was pastor at North Roanoke Baptist Church for almost 30 years, about 29 and a half years, and uh, he retired back in May of 2016, and we had the privilege of getting to know each other pretty well during a a six-month period of transition. And uh, my family and I are headed to Washington, D.C. and Williamsburg this coming week, starting tomorrow, to do a, uh, a Virginia history and U.S. history tour because that is going to be a significant part of their curriculum in homeschool this year. So you can pray for us. It's going to be 96 degrees on Monday in Washington, D.C., and we're going to be walking from monument to monument and uh, doing all the museums, the, the ones that are free, right? Um, there's some you can pay for. We're not doing those. Um, maybe next time. But all that to say, we, we have been journeying through the Psalms, not to fear. We're going to get back to the Psalms, but it's not this week, and it also will not be next week. Um, I'll be preaching next week, and I've been working on that sermon this week so I can take a vacation starting Monday. Having said all that, uh, sometimes a pastor will feel led to, to preach on something special. Uh, for just a moment. And, and this is the first time in, in my time as your pastor, or perhaps the second now that I think back on it, but it happens rarely for me, but, but it's one of those moments where I feel like our church needs to give attention to something, and it's the subject of children. Uh, we have, we've been working with an architect on some plans uh, for the future and what that might look like and how it might relate to our preschoolers and our kids and really to the whole the whole church facility. I, I will not be unveiling plans during that time. We're, we're still working through that. But regardless of what the outcome is, the heart behind it is, is a heart for kids. And it's, it's Jesus's heart for children and what childlike faith is all about. So next Sunday, I'm going to pre- preach from Luke 18 on childlike faith. So if you read through Luke 18, it's just a few verses. I think it's 15, 16, and 17. But if you read through Luke 18 this week and just pray through that, that's what I'm going to be sharing with you next week. And then the following week, we'll jump back into uh, the book of Psalms, okay? So Psalm 7, three Sundays from now, counting this Sunday. Having said all that, give Pastor Daryl Krim a warm welcome. Well, I, I never got all that the 29 years I was here, so <laughs> maybe it's good to be away for a while, huh? No, y'all, y'all are very special to me, and uh, in many ways, even though there might be just a couple of you that are older than I am, in, in many ways, regardless of age, you, you're kind of like my children, okay? I, 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 I feel that sense of affection towards so many of you. Uh, and have, have seen so many of you uh, continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And one thing about North Roanoke, it's always been that we, we want to see this family grow. So if you are here for the first time or maybe the second or third time and you're looking for a place, I can tell you that you'll be warmly welcomed to North Roanoke Baptist Church. And, uh, well... I don't know if I could say you're one of my children coming in, but anyway, we, we welcome you to the family, and 
I think you'll sense that uh, there's a great spirit uh, here among the folks. Let's turn together to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I want to speak to you on the subject of uh, kingly character. Kingly character. Now, in a few moments, I'll define that for you so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, this, this impressed me as, as I was studying 1 Samuel chapter 16 that it would be an appropriate subject to speak on this morning. Let's look at it. 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse 1, and I'll read 13 verses. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, How can I go? When Saul hears of it, he's going to kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord, and you shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the city came trembling to meet him, and they said, Do you come in peace? And he said, In peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now it came about when they entered that he looked at Eliab, Eliab, and he thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed that is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees, not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called his second son, Abinadab, and he made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And so next, Jesse chose Shema, the third son. And he passed by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And then Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all your children? And he said, Oh yes, there remains the youngest. And behold, he's out there tending the sheep. And then Samuel said to Jesse, Send, bring him to me, for we will not sit down until he comes. And so Jesse sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy and beautiful of eyes and handsome in appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and he went. He went to Ramah. Let's bow together for prayer. God, your desire for each one of us here today, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of vocation, God, your, 
clearly your plan and your purpose for our lives is not so much what we do, but who we are. And God, you're looking in each one of us for kingly character, godly character, character that uh, glorifies the king. And so, God, I pray for each mom that's here, each dad that's here, each child that's here, each person that uh, represents a circle of influence, which we all do. I pray for all of us, God. I pray for myself that uh, we'll be the kind of people, that we'll become the people of character that you want us to be. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The story begins with Samuel grieving. And the very first verse tells us that he's grieving over Saul. And Saul is the king. And Saul is the king that Samuel not only voted for, but Samuel personally selected and Samuel anointed him to be the king. And the reason why Samuel is grieving, deeply disappointed, deeply disturbed, he feels like he's been kicked in the stomach. He's literally in pain. He's hurting. That's what the word grief communicates to us. This is a deep emotion that he feels. He, he almost feels sick inside because he's looking at the person that he wanted to have respect for. He's looking at the person of great influence throughout the whole nation of, of Israel. And unfortunately, here's a king that uh, he's lacking in character. He's lacking in kingly character. And so many of us can identify with the way that Samuel feels. Many of us look around and, and, and we look at the leadership in our country and we look at uh, the leadership in, in, in not just Washington, but we look at leadership even within our, within our own state and leadership within our own community. And we, we look at people, whether it be the president or whether it be a senator or whether it be a congressman and or whether it be a, 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 a teacher at, at school, or whether it be the principal of the school, or whether it be a, the, the, the pastor, or whether it be a staff member, or whether it be a dad, or whether it be a mom. And we, 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 we look at people that are, are people in positions of influence, and it's so sad that it grieves us when there's a lack of character, when there's a lack of character. And, and so... Uh, First of all, before I go much farther, I want to define for you what I mean when I refer to kingly character. Kingly character. Kingly character is the kind of character that glorifies God and it builds his kingdom. And it's the product of the power of the Holy Spirit working in a person's heart. That's what this passage is all about. God's, God's wanting a king that's going to glorify him. God's going to God's wanting a king that will build his kingdom. God's wanting a king that will uh, be, be under the influence of, of, of his Holy Spirit in his life. And, and so he's looking for a king. And we're going to see that it's important for us to understand that you don't just dismiss this sermon because you say, well, pastor, I'm not a king. A, 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 a king's circle of influence is clearly defined by boundary lines, by, by geography, 
and, and it, it, it says this is the king's authority and this is the influence of the king. If you live within this geographical area, this territory, then you're under the influence of the king. But our, our circles of influence are not so much defined by geographical boundaries, but our, 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 our influence, our circles of influence are influenced by our relationships. Every single one of us that are here today that are fathers, we have a circle of influence and, and our influence is over our children and our family and our, and our, and our wives. And, and moms, you have a circle of influence over your children. And, and children, you have a circle of influence over your brothers and your sisters. And yes, you have a circle of influence with your mother and your father. And you have a circle of influence around your, your fellow classmates and your fellow work associates. And those of us who are church members, we have a circle of influence. People are looking to us, whether we think they are or whether we know they are or not. People look at us and there's a circle of influence and what people are looking for, what God wants them to see in us is people that have this kind of character within us that glorifies God and, and builds his kingdom. And uh, it's the result, it's the product of, of, of not just our effort, but it's the product of his Holy Spirit that's working within our hearts. And, and so this passage of scripture is going to teach us that there is hope. There is hope for finding a person who will embody that kingly character. And there is a God who will infuse, infuse that kingly character into that person. And what I propose to you today, what I present to you today, will you be that person? Will you be that person that offers their heart to God to say that God will put that kingly character in you so that through our lives and who we are and who we become we glorify God and God uses us to build his kingdom and it, and it, and it starts from the inside out and so I present the question to you that's in your notes will God will others will you find the person of kingly character in those two blanks and that's your first name and your second name. If I was sitting there and I'd write my notes, I'd put in, will, will God, will others, will you find the person of kingly character in Daryl Krim? Will you find that person, will others see that person of kingly character, will God see that in you, whatever your name is? Can you put your name there? My goal this morning, my objective, is to persuade you to answer yes. I want to persuade you to answer yes. In the affirmative, I want to be that person. And when I, what we're going to do is we look at this passage of, of Scripture, we're going to look at, at three persuasive points, three points that are clearly made in this passage, in this little narrative, there's three points that are takeaways for us, three points that God doesn't want us to miss as we think about this kingly character. And the first thing is this, it's found, the first point is made as we look at the eyes of God. This is gonna help us to, to actually get into the eyes of God and, and look at people and to look at yourself the way God looks at you. If, if this is gonna inform us as to what God is primarily looking for in me what God is primarily looking for in you. And, and here's, the, here's the way it goes. 
You see, God sends Samuel to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, and he begins the process of trying to identify who's going to be the likely candidate to be the king that God wants to be the king. And the first one to come through there, the first one to pass by is uh, Eliab, and boy, is he impressive. As a matter of fact, Samuel doesn't have to go any farther than him. We find out in verse 7, but the Lord says to Samuel, because Samuel's thinking, he's the guy. He's the guy I've been looking for. And it happened. Do not look at his appearance, Samuel. Don't be fooled. Now, Samuel's the most spiritual man, the most insightful man. He's the prophet of God. If anybody ought to know, if anybody ought to have the eyes of God, certainly Samuel ought to. But God says to Samuel, don't look at the appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is cautioning us of the danger of misdirection. How common and how easy it is for us to get focused on the wrong things in life. And the next thing we know, you might say, we've been pickpocketed. Just this past week, Susan and I kind of crashed for a few minutes. We were sitting on the couch, and I flipped on the TV to see if I could find anything of entertainment. Well, I should have known better than that, right? But anyway, I flipped it on anyway, kind of out of habit. So I turned it on, and, and I, started, I started surfing my channels. Now, you need to know we get three channels, okay? That's all. And, and I went to the first one. And that was channel 7, and it wasn't anything there. And then I went to the second one, channel 10, and it wasn't anything there. Then I went to channel 27, okay? And, and I didn't have anywhere else to go, so we kind of stopped there. And, and right there was, was Steve Harvey, okay? And Steve Harvey is the host. And I didn't know exactly what this was. It, it thought, at, at first, there was this older lady that's up there singing. I thought, well, this thing must be something like America's Got Talent or something, you know, and Anyway, it wasn't all that bad. It wasn't real good. But anyway, I wouldn't call it entertainment. But anyway, we didn't have anything else to do. So we listened to this lady to sing. And, and we find out that, that the, the, the name of this program is called Forever Young. Forever Young. And, and so after this lady finishes her song, then this guy, he's, he's about 90 years old. I'm not exaggerating now. I believe he was 90 years old. And he comes up there with his other guy who's a bit younger than he is. But they start doing all these acrobatic stuff. I mean, strength thing, things. That, I mean, he, they're, they're, this guy's holding the old man up. And, and the old man's just got one hand clutched in this guy's hand. And he's holding him up with one hand. And the next thing I know, this old man, <laughs> forever young, this old man just kind of does... He stretches his body out, and I think, God, I can't believe this guy's doing that. I bet none of us here could do that. And, and this guy's 90 years old, and he's doing it. So that was pretty impressive. I thought, oh, I've got to see this. Well, the next thing, the next thing, the guy doesn't come up on stage. Steve, uh, yeah, Steve Harvey says, the next man is so-and-so. And he said, well, where is so-and-so? And, and, and he says, here I am, and he's... He's, he's back in the audience, and he's on the center aisle, and, and he's way in the back, and he says, here I am. And so Steve Harvey says, well, come on down. 
And so as he's coming down, he kind of looks like a, a, a preacher or a politician coming into the church. You know, he's shaking hands as he's coming down. And, and he goes up to one guy and, he, you know, he shakes his hand. He kind of puts his arm around him, you know, hi, how you doing? Good to see you, you know. And goes to another guy, shakes his hand, does the same thing, you know, pats him on the back and, and gets real friendly with him, you know. And then he goes to a lady and he gives her a hug and, 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 and says a few kind words to her, a greeting. And, and then he comes up on the stage. And, and, and he, he takes out of his coat pocket a telephone. Well, it's the first guy that he, that he shook hands with in the aisle. He stole his phone. He pickpocketed him. And, and then, then he pulls out a billfold, and, and he, he stole, he pickpocketed the other guy's billfold. And then, then he took an earring, and, and he actually got the earring off the lady's ear without her knowing it. And, and so the, it was pretty interesting and pretty entertaining, you know. But, but anyway, he was, here's, here's what makes a successful pickpocket. Distract you. Get you focused on something else. Whether it be in a touch or whether it be in, 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 in sight. But here it was, he was pickpocketing these people and they didn't have a clue. Here, here's, here's what God's telling us. Here's what, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by all this stuff that you hear about how important it is to climb the ladder of success. Don't be fooled by how important it is that, that, that you are, are the best looking guy around or the best looking girl around. Or, or don't, get, don't get fooled with appearances. Don't get fooled with whether you're the strong man in, in, or the popular guy. Or Don't get fooled by all of that stuff because, listen, God's not impressed with any of that. You can be the best-looking girl, the best-looking guy. You can be the strongest guy. You can be Mr. Muscle Man. And God looks at your heart, and he says he's got no kingly character within him at all. Don't be pickpocketed. Don't be fooled by the values of this world. And what this is saying is how easy it is that not only that we can be fooled about others, but don't fool ourselves. Don't value those things that, God, that doesn't impress God whatsoever. Offer to God that which he's looking for. And he's looking for nothing less than my heart. He's looking for nothing less than your heart. How, just how important is the heart when it comes to character? I would say to you that a person's character flows out of that which is in his or her heart. Your character is going to flow by what's in your heart. Jesus makes that point over in Mark chapter 7, verses 23, 20 through 23. And he's saying that which proceeds out of a person, out of a man, is that's what defiles the man. For it's from within, it's out of a heart of men that proceed evil thoughts, fornications, sexual sins. Where does it originate? It originates in the heart. Thefts and murders and adulteries and and deeds of coveting and wickedness as, as well as deceit and sensuality and envy and slander and pride and foolishness. Where does it all come from? It comes from the heart. Wow, is that why God's so interested in our heart? You know, in, 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 particularly in the children's department, there's an emphasis on, on encouraging children to give their heart to Jesus. You ever heard that expression? Give your heart to Jesus. 
I, I, I get, it was, it was so thrilling to me as, as I was your pastor. I, you know, I'd come in here perhaps on a Wednesday night for the, for the Wednesday night meal, or I'd be walking down a hallway. Or a, a, a little kid would come up to me and say, Pastor Darrell, <laughs> look it up. Yeah, yeah, what is it? Pastor Darrell, I just want you to know, this week, this week I gave my heart to Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus. Now, does that little, that kid probably knows a whole lot more than what a lot of us know. And certainly, Pastor Daniel, when you preach on, on, on Luke in a couple of weeks, we can learn a lot from that kid right there. That's what God's looking for. When a man, when a man that's 68 years old or, or a man that, that is 48 years old or 38 years old, when a man or a woman or a teenager can get to the point where say, God, I want to give you my heart. I don't want to just deal with this superficial stuff. I don't want to just be the one that shows up in church and gives God some of my time. I don't even want to be the guy that gives my money. I don't want to be the guy that, that, that does this stuff. I don't, want to, I don't want you to settle for anything less than me giving you my heart. And there's some of you, there's some of you here today that want to just say, Jesus, I want to give you my heart. Lord Jesus, today, I'm just tired of playing games. And today, I, will, will you just come into my heart? <laughs> will you come into my heart? And when you do that, when you open your heart to Jesus, that, that brings me to the second point. That brings me to the second point. And, and here's the point. Here's what it says. <clears throat> here's what he says. We start to see the power of the Holy Spirit beginning to, to work in David's life because God sees in David. He's far from a perfect guy. He's made all kinds. Well, we see, we'll get into that in a few minutes. But God can look into his heart and he can see it has got a heart for God. God's, what I want you to see in this, this power of the Holy Spirit is that God does not choose us to be that which he does not provide the power for us to become. He does not choose you to be that which he does not give you the power to become. And, and we're going to see that the Holy Spirit is the source of kingly character. Verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed David in the midst of his brothers and something happened. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily if you have the English Standard Version, it says it rushed upon David. It wasn't something that he already had. It wasn't that David was born intrinsically with a better heart than anybody else. But what, what God did for David was when David gave his heart to the Lord, the Lord filled his heart, filled his life, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And, and this is the truth. This is the truth, folks. We don't want to just look at David and see him as an individual that experienced it many years ago, but this is a principle that's carried throughout Scripture. That is the condition of the heart that opens the life up for the Holy Spirit to be poured out within your life. And that's not just going to happen to David back in the in, in, in the nation of Israel uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but that happens 
today. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, when we go to Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, we discover in the unfolding of God's plan of salvation that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that this rushing of the Holy Spirit, this mighty power of the Holy Spirit coming upon people's lives is not reserved for King David years ago, but to all those whose hearts get right with God. Look what he says, Acts 2, 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Who is they? Peter is standing up in Jerusalem. It's on the day of Pentecost. It's 50 days after the Passover and 50 days after Jesus himself was crucified, the sacrificial lamb. And, and these people in Jerusalem are back again for another feast of celebration. And they are the very ones that had him nailed to a cross. And, and, and Peter in his sermon, you read his sermon, and Peter says, you guys did an unimaginable thing. You crucified the Son of God. You crucified the one that David spoke about years ago and said, he's going to be your Messiah, and you rejected him, and you crucified him. And they heard this. They heard this. The truth. First of all, the gospel is truth, and it's bad news because it reveals just how big and offensive our sin is to God. And it says here, when they heard that, they were pierced to the heart. The message that he preached didn't just step on their toes, didn't just go in one ear and out the other. What did it do? It pierced their heart. It pierced their heart. And look what happens when their heart gets right with God. It pierced their heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, you just tell us what we need to do now to make things right. And Peter says to them, just repent of your sin. That's the evidence of a, of a heart that's right with him, is willing to say, I've been going the wrong way, Lord, and I want to turn, I want to come to you. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and what's going to happen you'll receive nothing less than the gift of the Holy Spirit. I stand before you today, not in my own authority, but on the authority of God. And I can categorically say to you today that when your heart is pierced and presented to the Lord and open to the Lord, and you say as simple a prayer as, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart, Come into my heart. A six-foot Galilean man will not walk into your Lord. But I'll tell you what will happen. Nothing less than his Holy Spirit will take up residence in you today. And he will be the source of power that will begin to produce in you nothing less than a character that gives glory to God and builds his kingdom. And that's kingly character. It's the process we also see the process of kingly character. How did this happen? We see that it says to us, he says, it came upon him from this day forward. From this day forward. So it happened here, but it was going to be true from this day forward. What we have the benefit of throughout the Old Testament, we have the benefit 
of the biography of David. And it presents to us warts and all. It presents to us not just his victories, but also his failures. It presents to us his sin. And we see that from this day forward, he made some bad choices. He made some decisions that did not glorify God. And, and he did some things, and his behavior was behavior that did not glorify God. But we also find out that because of those, God did not depart from him. God, his security was in what God did for him and given him his spirit. And through all of that, his heart was broken again. And God continued to teach him and to give to him and to purify within him and to refine him as a man who had a heart for God. And so we see the process of, of, of God building kingly character, not only through the mistakes that he made, but also through the trials and the, and the difficulties that he had. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, how God can, can take those of us who give our heart to him and even take the tribulations that we have and use them for good. Not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character hope. This hope does not disappoint because something's taking place within our heart. What is it? The love of God's been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. And so we see that uh, in, this, in, this, it, 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 in this glimpse of what takes place in David's life, how God works within our life. Finally, I want you to see the unexpected son. One last point in my effort to persuade you to become the person of kingly character, the one whom God will use to glorify himself and build his kingdom, is for us to look at the unexpected son. Here's what it says in verse 11. Samuel said to Jesse, all these children, uh, or Samuel says to Jesse, are these children, uh, are these all your children? And he said, no. Well, I've got another one. He's the youngest, and behold, he's tending sheep. Now, what you've got to get in that, in that statement there, some connotations that the English language doesn't translate for us. That word for youngest, is, it's got some pejorative connotations. It's got some condescending con Well, he really doesn't amount to much. He's my youngest, and as a matter of fact, he's the lowest on the totem pole, and uh, we've given him the most menial job, uh, we've got him out there looking after the sheep. And so he's saying, he's not significant. He's not important. Don't worry about him. Don't think about him. Uh, as a matter of fact, even though I'm his father, I, I didn't even invite him to the party. That's how insignificant he's, he's viewed upon from a human point of view. But God's not looking at people the way other people look at him. And I don't know how you see yourself today. I don't, I don't know if you see yourself as, well, God can't use me. I, I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you know, and, 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 and I'm not the smartest one in the class, and I'm not the most gifted person around. And I'm saying to you, you're God's candidate. You know, you, you say to yourself, well, I, I've never been listed among who's who in America. I'm not even listed in who's not in America. 
But guess what? You're exactly the person that God's looking for. And there's many Davids that are sitting here today. And many Davids that are sitting here saying, well, I can't make a mark in the kingdom. I can't do anything. I hardly know God. I don't, I, I don't know the Bible the way, the way I ought to know the Bible. I, there, there's so many ways I, I come up short. And I'm here to tell you this. God's not looking at your intelligence. He's not looking at what you've done. He's not looking at your mistakes. He's looking at your heart. And there's Davids that are sitting here today. There's people that, from a human point of view, you'd probably be, not be voted the most likely to succeed. But God looks at you and he says, I want you. You're the kind of person that I don't have to worry about getting out there and boasting about yourself. But you're the one that's going to glorify me. And that's the kind of person I want. And so we see that David, David represents a spiritual law. A spiritual law is like the law of gravity. It, it applies for every generation. It's always applied, and it always will apply. And it applies for every person. And this is a spiritual law. And that spiritual law is, is the principle of the kind of people that God chooses to use in his kingdom, to fill their heart with his spirit so that they might glorify him. Paul points this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 31. He says, God has chosen... You got to get this. Paul, Paul's looking at his church. It's just like me looking at you. And he says, guys, how do you feel about yourself today? Well, don't feel too, too highly of yourself because look who God has chosen. God's chosen the foolish ones to be here today. God's chosen the weak ones here today. God's cho chosen the poor ones to be here today. God's chosen the base ones. He's chosen those who have no glory in themselves. God's chosen the outcasts to be here today. And if you fit into any of those guys, you're God's kind of person because you're the kind of person that God will work in. He goes on, he says, he's chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak uh, things of the world to shame those who are strong. He's, strong, he's chosen the, the base things of the world and, and, uh, and, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man can boast before God. These these are, you look at these qualifications and you say, well, there's a lot of Davids in this room. There's a lot of us that fit that. But, but it's important for us to realize that, it, that David is more than a type of the person that God chooses. You need to see the one that God is pointing us to through David. He wants us to see that there is one, while David is really nothing more than an example and an encouragement to us. David is not the one who can fill your heart with the Holy Spirit. David is not the one who can come into your heart and change you. David is dead. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the eternal king. Jesus' body did not undergo decay. Jesus' body came out of the tomb. And when it spoke, speaks about a king that God is going to use to deliver his people. He's not speaking about King David. He's speaking about his son, Jesus. And if you want to be resurrected from the person who is the fool, who is the base person, who is the person who is the not, Jesus is the one to make you special in God's eyes. 
Jesus is the one who comes into your heart and makes you the person of kingly character that will glorify God and build his kingdom. And so this morning, there are those of you who want to give your heart to Jesus. Now, there are some of you that have already done that. I understand that. But I want to, I want to, I want to just share with you in closing a prayer by King David years later after he made some mistakes after he did some things that were wrong here's what he says in psalm 51 be gracious to me O god not because i deserve it but because of your loving kindness according to the greatness of thy compassion blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity cleanse me from my sin for i know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He goes on in verse 7. He says, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence. Do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. There are those of you that want him to give you a clean heart and a new beginning to pour his spirit out and to build that kingly character in you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And uh, it's a song that just offers our heart to you. It says, Lord, just take, take me as I am and mold me and shape me and make me and do it from the heart out. And God, there, there are people here today that are just, they just want to say, Lord Jesus, I want to give you my heart, not just my time, not just my talent, not just hard work, not just my money, but today I want to do nothing less than give you my heart. And so there are those that want to pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart this morning. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day forward, from this day forward, thank you for the security that I have in the sealing of your Holy Spirit upon my life and the onworking process that he will perform in my life making me become what you want me to be and i pray this in jesus name amen as we sing this song of response there are those of you that we want to come and tell pastor daniel pastor daniel this is the church i want to be a part of there'll be those of you that say pastor daniel i want to give my heart to jesus this morning i want to be a part of this church you come as we stand, as we sing together, and Pastor Daniel is waiting here to greet you.